I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Coming up on this week's show, the slow burn of La Liga on ESPN+, Plus. our thoughts about CBS's coverage of Serie A after, le- after week one, what it's like commentating alongside Ray Hudson, MLS TV ratings get a boost, and your feedback in the listener mailbag segment. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside a guest co-host this week, somebody who's been on the show before, and I'm really glad to have him back on the show. It's another Chris, but this time it's uh, Chris Whittingham. Chris, hey, how are you doing? Chris, how are you? I'm doing all right. <laughs> awesome. So so for those listeners who may not have listened to Chris on previous episodes of this podcast, Chris paint a picture in terms of your bio because I I know you've you've worked in many different places and have a lot of experience and uh, a mad passionate soccer fan as as we all are but for those that uh, aren't familiar with you uh, what's your background and bio yeah wearing many hats at the moment but yeah I've I've been a a football commentator now for for six years I've also kind of worked in the uh, sports radio now sports podcasting uh, side of things but in terms of at present uh, I'm Inter Miami's radio commentator. I work for the MLS national broadcast on Univision and Tulane, and on on the SAP side, which also gets streamed on Twitter. Uh, I also uh, work for a company down here, down in Miami, called uh, Vista World Link. They broadcast the USL, the NWSL, and the like. I also do Liga Mekis with Univision, and I also recently started um, as a producer and contributor on the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gatz, which is routinely one of the three biggest sports podcasts uh, in, in the U.S. And I also work with uh, Grant Wall and his Football with Grant Wall podcast. So uh, I'm very busy at the moment, but uh, enjoying all of it working in the sports and in the soccer space as well. And then Premier League related, Chelsea fan or, or not? Uh, so actually, I was working on a podcast called Chelsea Miked Up. Uh, with uh, my friend Mike Ryan Ruiz, who is also on the Dan Levitar show with me. We're actually not continuing on that podcast this year. Uh, I, I was always painted on that show as the neutral observer, uh, which I guess you can take to mean that I, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but uh, I, I, I want to create some distance before <laughs> I reveal the, the, the team I support because uh, I, I still have a good working relationship with Chelsea, so I don't want to yeah. spike. Now, now I'm a massive fan of another team. No, I don't, I don't right. want to quite do it in that way. 
Yeah, no, Neutral Observer is perfect, and it's perfect for the show in terms of kind of uh, you and I giving our honest critiques or honest sure. observations or just, just, just our feelings about what we saw from this past week, as well as looking ahead to all of the different streaming options, and which it keeps on changing, and it's almost every week there's some big news. We'll get to that in a little bit. From this past weekend, or this past week, um, Chris, a lot to choose from. I mean, there was... I mean, it was a weekend that had a little bit of everything. You had Levante against Real Madrid, ended up being a 3-3 thriller. You had the French derby between Nice and Marseille, which was suspe- suspended after a pitch invasion. Dortmund suffered a defeat against uh, Freiburg. Harry Kane returned to action for Spurs, and it looks like he's going to be with uh, the Hot Spurs this season. Chelsea completely dominated Arsenal in Lukaku's uh, second debut for the Blues. And meanwhile, Serie A returned where Jose Mourinho's Roma and uh, Inzaghi's Inter both earned victories while Cristiano Ronaldo was denied a last-minute winner after VAR pulled the goal back. And and reports are that he didn't even want to start this game. But what for you stood out? What was your kind of uh, moment of like, wow, I I just really, really love the game and I I really love this broadcast? Well, uh, love the game might might be uh, a a different category, but I just as a thought exercise, I really found what happened in that Nice-Marseille match so interesting because often now I try and watch matches and put myself through the prism of, well, how would I handle that situation? And that's kind of the, I mean, you think about, for example, what happened with with Christian Eriksen in the summer, and I actually had the chance to talk to a couple of people uh, that were on that broadcast for Univision. Uh, Jose Hernandez was one of them, and he was just telling me like what a, just difficult situation that is obviously for Christian Harrison first and foremost, but you're seeing live pictures of something that is very difficult to chronicle. And I think the same applies here. If you're a commentator, like you hear sometimes commentators issue value judgments on fights, on things that are happening that are unseemly. And you know, how strong is the language that you're using? How do you react? And so the more you can kind of put yourself in those moments, more we think about it. And when you see the manager, Jorge Sampaoli, completely losing his mind Mm -hmm. when you see what happens with Dimitri Payet, when you see, you know, the supporters being pushed back into the stands. And just in general, I think we're seeing in this game and in other games around the world, this happened a lot in American sports, where there's just a general lack of decorum in the crowds that have returned to stadiums post-pandemic. How do you talk about fans that misbehave as a commentator? Because I do think one of our main constituencies as commentators is fans, right? We try and present things so that fans can digest them. They're, for the most part, are our viewers. And so do you have a go at fans that are misbehaving? So I I just thought from a pure broadcasting exercise and thinking about it, I watched the clip, uh, the extended clip that BN Sports put out, which was in Spanish, and I was able to kind of ascertain some of what they were saying. But still, just thinking about that, how do you handle a situation like that was kind Mm -hmm. of the, the, the biggest takeaway from the weekend for me. Yeah, this one was interesting too because I missed the match live. I was watching. I don't know, there were so many good games on on Sunday, um, but then somebody alerted, alerted me to it. So I think on Twitter. So I went ahead and went to the channel, and I think the incident already, had already happened. And I think it was Phil Shane and maybe George Metellus on the commentary on that one. So then I, I looked for clips. I was like, okay, what did I miss? And then the clips on BN Sports uh, USA, the Twitter account, were from the World Feed. So I didn't get to hear Phil or, or George's uh, analysis on it. And the 
the commentator on the world feed was very kind of just like, I can't believe what the fans are doing. They're like out of control. How dare they? I mean, very, very kind of uh, almost like a like a headmaster or a kind of a uh, someone in charge of a school, just, uh, a principal kind of being like, hey. But that's the thing, though, too. I think it's um, it's interesting that you bring it up too, Chris, because I think there's, there is a pent up fans wouldn't be back in stadiums. Fans miss that. Whether whether it's aggro or just kind of just that that uh, you mean that feeling of being in the crowd and and singing and chanting and and you know I mean and again there's that uh, yin yang kind of between the the away fans and the home fans and then you have a player on the away team throwing a bottle at, into the crowd which is you mean a no no and then he throws another one yeah and for the broadcaster it's difficult because you want to. Not interfere, but you want to tell the story of what's happening or point out different things. But you don't. I, I think personally, you, you don't want to be too over the top, kind of uh, criticizing the fans when maybe it's the players that aggravated it in the first instance. It it is a fine line, a really tricky line to to uh, to play. If any listeners who missed it, I just definitely recommend you to go back and, and try and find that clip. Uh, from that game because it was, I mean, not not a good look for for Ligue 1, especially in a season where they're going to be in, you mean, kind of high profile. They're going to be in the picture a lot more this season than, than they've ever had. No doubt. I mean, the the, the screwing on Ligue 1 with with Lionel Messi now in the league is going to be much greater than it was before. And so these kind of moments are being broadcast and spread on social media. The clip on BN Sports' YouTube channel is 1.2 million views, um, which I can't imagine they do that kind of traffic for Ligue 1 unless something like that happens. So, yeah, it it 100 percent is. And you are kind of curious, you know, as I, I thought it was really interesting, Leeds away at Manchester United this weekend. That is a very intense Rivalry. I've actually not experienced it in person, the game, but I, I went to a Manchester United match uh, with a couple of friends of mine. We were kind of on a journey throughout England. We went to eight different stadiums while we were there, and we went to a Manchester United match, and there's a pub right by Old Trafford yep. where all the fans get together, and they basically are, like, practicing their songs, and several of them are about Leeds. This is, these are two teams <laughs> that had not played each other in 15 years, and they're still singing about Leeds, so I was really curious, you know, that away section going to Old Trafford, if there was going to be any incidents. Thankfully, there weren't, but um, I, I am kind of keeping a lookout for fan incidents, just because we've just seen a general lack of decorum at sporting events. I, I actually say more in the U.S. than abroad, but even still, um, just people who are almost desocialized mm-hmm. from how often we've been inside in lockdowns and not interacting with each other. And even if we are interacting with each other, not face to face because we're all wearing masks uh, and, and how much that has changed society. And I think that absolutely reflects in the sporting sense. Yeah, I think this is going to happen more and more this season. And um, there is, I mean, in terms of just even crowds coming together, I think if if anything, this season it's going to be really, really important for uh, whether it's security or police to really monitor these games pretty closely because I, I just see a lot of things could happen uh, more so this year than than any any other year. The Leeds United the, story, the Euros were the greatest example of that. What happened, you know, in in, in the final and what yeah, happened before yeah, the kickoff, yeah. what happened during the match as well. I mean, the the Euros had plenty of these kinds of incidents. Oh, totally, totally, and a lot of it went under the radar too. I mean, it was one of those things that uh, for the TV viewer they might have missed most of uh, what happened outside the stadium, but oftentimes it's social media. I, I mean, even the actually the Manchester United Leeds game before the game kicked off, there was. 
uh, on YouTube, no, actually on Twitter, right? There was people like mm-hmm. fights in the streets and people throwing stuff and like, hey, I didn't see this on NBC. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, and, but, and, un, and under what obligation are you as a broadcaster to, to show? Like, I was even thinking about with this Nice-Marseille fight, like, you know, what, what happened after the Christian Eriksen thing was a lot of people were criticizing the broadcasters for showing those images, right? And I understand, like, it, it's th- those are probably scenes where you have to show what's going on because, you know, it's it's delaying the game. But, you know, these are things that people talk about. Oh, like, what are our judgments here with what are we showing? Are we promoting fan, fan violence? Like, for instance, when there are streakers that run onto the field pitch invaders that run around and just are trying to cause a uh, cause a scene we don't show them because we're not trying to give them publicity is this another incidence where you cut to a different camera so you're not showing fan violence but i think about it you know from my perspective at that point you know commentators are reporters about a game in real time Mm -hmm. but you kind of go into reporting mode like oh now you're reporting a news story as much as you are commentating a live football match yeah yeah definitely good points there um in terms of the, the match that stood out for me it's impossible to pick one from this last this past weekend. I mean, the the Bayer Leverkusen against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach on ABC with Derek Ray doing the commentary. I thought it was really a great game, and and it I mean goals came quickly in that one. It was really a one sided match, but Leverkusen looking amazing. Uh, Inter Milan against uh, Genoa. I mean, uh, one of the big games from Serie A uh, this past weekend. I mean, again a one sided game, but lots of goals in that one. Um, so on and so forth. I mean, West, the West Ham Leicester game to me was uh, just fantastic in terms of, you uh, I mean, just the storylines and just it, re- it was a really good game from beginning to end. A lot of uh, incidents happening in that match, but it's interesting that too with La Liga. I mean, yes, we'll get to Levante Real Madrid in a minute, but La Liga so far so we're two weeks in. It's a slow burn. It's like watching uh, a Netflix series that. Does, it waits until the second season before it really takes off. You're watching the episodes. So, so in the La Liga games, a lot of them have been low scoring, nil nils, one nils. Um, not that exciting. Uh, just kind of just and, and and very predictable in some ways when it's Barcelona. Not always, but uh, but the Levante Real Madrid game completely broke this script on this one. What a game! Really, really entertaining. Uh, Levante un- unlucky not to win this one, and then Re- Real Madrid uh, coming back. But um, the-, the other thing too about this, Chris, I thought was interesting too. Is just uh, this gives us an op- gives gives us an opportunity to listen to uh, Rob Palmer, who's their lead commentator, ESPN's lead commentator for La Liga, and it's somebody that, that we haven't heard as much of in the past. Uh, it's, it seems like a really qualified, really good commentator, and I think we'll be getting to know him more and more as the season goes along. And, and I think ESPN, one more thing too, ESPN is giving it everything they've got in terms of La Liga coverage, pre-match, half-time, post-match. La Liga, I don't think, has ha- ever had it this good in terms of the amount of coverage and the amount of airtime and top talent. And also talking points on ESPN FC, it's La Liga's leading it off on oftentimes uh, on the show. So, um, But what about that Levante-Real Madrid uh, game, Chris? Brilliant game, as, as you said. And you kind of are left wanting for Levante, right? Like you, you kind of see them come against Giants and, and are hoping that they, they can pull it off. They had a chance to make it 4-2, which they absolutely should have done. And then uh, Vinicius Jr. had an excellent match uh, in, in that one, getting the equalizer. And just going all the way down to the end, Levante having a player sent off. It was everything you'd want out of a match. But as you said, the rest of the scoreboard on the weekend, 
looks like binary. 1-1, 1-0, 0-0, 1-1, 1-1. All the other games had one, two, or zero goals. Uh, and so, and, and it's also the storylines aren't yet emerging, right? Because when Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't feared giants, then what is the talking point? Last year was Lionel Messi trying to bring this thing together. Now I guess it is Barcelona trying to carry on without Messi. They end up uh, d- down to 10 men and drawing 1-1 away at Athletic this weekend. But it's just difficult for me to really get my arms around it. I guess if Kylian Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, that all the, it all of a sudden becomes, well, Real Madrid are now back on top. They're clearly the favorites. But I, I think there's also a lack of story. And I, I don't want to say on, on ESPN's behalf that this is necessarily a bad thing, right? Because I think way too often... It's kind of prisoner of the moment. You're thinking, oh, they don't have Messi anymore, therefore it's not as valuable a property. They're not thinking about Messi for this year. They're, th- they're thinking about what it is over the course of the eight years. And what it needs to be is Real Madrid and Barcelona being big clubs. That's way bigger than any one player in my view. It's You have to have a clear, definable story, and I just don't think La Liga has one yet. Although it's still not yet the end of the transfer window, that very much can change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And report's coming out. Uh, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday uh, interest definitely from Real Madrid for uh, Kylian Mbappe, so that that could be a massive story, and that could be a domino effect too. Where then all of a sudden that means players from uh, Madrid move on to other clubs, and vice versa. It could be um, some interesting days coming ahead. Well, one more thing about the Athletic uh, Barcelona game is that uh, I just loved, loved, loved seeing Sid Lowe uh, doing a halftime. Uh, basically kind of a stand-up, kind of a, a report from the pitch pitch sides at uh, San Mames. And, th- and that was great to see because, I mean, Sid Lowe, you know, we've heard him for years on the, on the Guardian podcast. Uh, we, we've read his work with The Guardian. We've, we've seen him on ESPN FC now and again. But you, usually during matches, then he's working. You know, he's, he's a reporter. He's working for the, the Guardian and doing match reports. But this is really good to see him uh, pitch side and uh, would love to see more and more of that this season, which, which I'm sure we will. No one you'd want more than Sid Lowe. I, I, I think he's absolutely sensational. So uh, I've, I'm really impressed with what ESPN are doing. And I'm really happy they're doing it as well because on Syria, on Bundesliga, it was more world feed based approach in the last couple of years. Now, full on shoulder programming, pre-match halftime studio. They didn't invest as much as they did in La Liga to not cover it properly. And I'm really glad they're doing so uh, because I think one of the important things just from, from my perspective is that the industry continues to produce and create content massively, even as these matches move to streaming platforms right because at the beginning it was well you know the streaming platform is something different it's not something that merits television coverage in the way that television does but now espn are are, are throwing their weight into it and doing so incredibly well on top of the fact that paramount uh has has been doing that when they launched mostly a streaming product and nbc is carrying on what they're doing on television on peacock as well so i think from a soccer fan point of view, you're getting much more coverage and better coverage uh, th- than than you did maybe five years ago when games were on streaming. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. Uh, I mean, in previous years with ESPN Plus, if it's say the Championship or the FA Cup, oftentimes we would just get the the match and that was it. We wouldn't get any pre-match, wouldn't get any halftime, we wouldn't, wouldn't get any post-match. It would be okay. The stream starts. Here we go. Watch the game. Off we go. And and that's the thing too. I mean, from uh, Paramount Plus from this past weekend, opening weekend of the Serie A season, uh, so far it was it was good coverage. We had some pre-match coverage. We had halftime. We had post-match, and uh, it's a 
from what I understand, it, it's it's not the final product. So uh, from what I understand, they'll be moving into a studio in Manhattan, I think next month. And then we'll see kind of a little bit more of uh, the coverage, the full coverage that they're planning. But we, we did see uh, Matteo Bonetti, uh, Dre Cordero, uh, Mario from Italian Football TV, and then also the host, uh, Joe Annika who's a uh, former British athlete, and I thought she did really, really well. So it's early days. It's going to take some time to evolve and for the chemistry to get going, but uh, that was good to see. Agreed. And, you know, Andres and Mateo are friends, so I I was thrilled to see them. And and one of the things I think that they were going for with those two in particular, and just in general, you know, you mentioned Mario from Italian Football TV. I think they're going for people who can present Syria enthusiastically that love this product that live this product and when you see them come on after Udinese and and Juventus when Cristiano Ronaldo's just had a game-winning goal denied by VAR in which he ripped off his shirt and then got a yellow card for a goal that was ultimately disallowed and just they're like this is the best weekend of Syria ever <laughs> and and it's not just them being hyperbolic because they're excited it's because they actually have seen tons of Syria weekends and can actually tell you that it was a great weekend for Syria it was an enthusiasm that came through the screen that was really fun to watch. And I, I love the end of that Udinese-Juventus match and yep. how dramatic it was and, and, and kind of how they come on right after the game and they bring you some covers and they're there for a little while as well telling you about this match and kind of putting it in context as well. I thought it was really well executed. Yeah, and, and it's authentic. It's uh, They really do love the league, the teams, the history, the tradition, everything about it. So what you're getting is... Uh, uh, Serie A fans, fans of Serie A clubs, uh, broadcasters that have uh, have experienced broadcasting Serie A, whether it's for being sports in the past, uh, ESPN for Matteo, etc. One last game to mention, and this was a big one. Uh, this was Inter Miami against Toronto FC, <laughs> and this one was an entertaining game. I really like Gary um, Gary Neville, Phil Neville's approach into in, in terms of changing the formation. Uh, to more of a 3-4-3 and having uh, Higuain, uh, Pizarro and uh, Robbie Robertson in the attack. And uh, they're a fun team to watch. Not only are they a fun team to watch, but they have an excellent uh, commentary team. And this past weekend, we got to hear the first time uh, of this duo, and that was Ray Hudson on the uh, co-commentary, and then lead commentator, Chris Whittingham. (laughs) <laughs> I like he built that up as as if I'm sitting here. Oh, wonder wonder who was on the play by play for that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got the chance. Obviously, Dre. Um, congratulations to him. Is, is now working on uh, Syria for Paramount Plus, so he's gonna miss uh, the odd Inter Miami match over the remainder of the season. This past weekend was the first one, and so I, I stepped in. And you walk into a commentary booth, and there's Ray Hudson, and you get to see a master at work. And uh, yeah, it was it was a brilliant. I mean, you mentioned Inter Miami, great to watch. It's it's generally not been the case for the first year plus for them, and yet uh, their last four matches, particularly at home, uh, have been much improved. And you're starting to see big contributions from the players that were expected to provide them. Gonzalo Higuain buzzed about and, and put in hard work, even though he doesn't get a goal in this one, nor an assist. He's provided plenty over the course of the season. It was time for other players to step up. And really, the first great game start to finish that we've seen Rodolfo Pizarro play for Inter-Miami, scoring a couple of goals, and then quickly gets the call-up uh, to the MLS All-Star team, uh, which is playing against the Lika Mekis All-Star team this week. And then Robbie Robinson got the call-up into the Chilean national team. So a couple of 
nice Inter Miami news, but uh, bits of news there. But uh, in, in in my view, it was a really fun game. Commentary was fun doing alongside Ray Hudson, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I have to ask you though, Chris. Like, what is it like commentating alongside Ray Hudson? I mean, is Ray giving you fi- visual clues as far as when he's getting ready to jump in, or is it is it hand motions, or is it just <laughs> you know when to to let him go? No, you could just tell that he's ready for takeoff and ready for takeoff is usually pretty quickly after a goal. So I had pretty well prepared that if I if, if there are goals, try and be done with a just a quick way to summarize what just happened. Not go like occasionally. I actually think sometimes I go on too long after goals. And so I, I, I know I, I got to be brief. I got to be quick and let the man do his work. And actually, for me, the, the best bit that he did was so on Rodolfo Pizarro's third goal. I, I had a little line because he does the thing where he pulls his mouth on both sides and pretends to be the Joker from the Batman series. Yep. And so I had like another trick from the Joker line. And and then I finished with Inter Miami are flying at Dry Pink Stadium. And Ray Hudson comes in and he didn't know I was going to say that. And yet took a, yeah, they're flying like the SSE Enterprise here. Like, like a, we made like a Star Trek reference. And those are the moments where you really can tell like he he puts on his twitter bio verbal gymnast (laughs) that's where you see it right because he is taking something that i've said and taking it to 10 levels better than where i left it frankly and it's that improvisation where like people might go oh you know these lines are rehearsed these lines are stretched or you know he he might be uh writing them down no this Mm -hmm. is purely authentic ray hudson as entertaining before the game as he is during the game and it, it, it's the pinnacle of broadcasting, in my opinion. Like, this man has gotten all the plaudits that he has over the course of his career because he is incredible with words. He brings enormous enthusiasm and was just a total delight to work with. So, I mean, in terms of for, on a technical basis, I mean, I would look over and I can tell he's ready to go. But it's not like a you go, I go kind of thing. You're just kind of meant to figure it out while you're on air. Yeah, the thing I love about Ray, of many things, is it's spontaneous. And and, and the other thing of it is you never know where he's going to go. <laughs> so you're yeah. listening to his commentary and he's giving like some type of metaphor or some type of description of what this goal is. And you think it's going to go one way and it goes a completely different way. Um, it keeps you, the, the viewer, the listener on, on your toes because uh, it, it's entertaining just as much the goal, as the goal is. And, uh, yeah, it always brings a smile to, to my face, definitely. And from my perspective, in terms of staying on toes... I also have to stay on my toes because I have like I have my obviously my my boards which are kind of all the information I have on every player on both teams and I have also like a list of here's all the major storylines all the major talking points going into it and I'm kind of I actually do it like in checklist form just to make sure I don't repeat myself and so I have all these things and I'm like I'm reading them and 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 kind of keeping in touch but I try and do it as little as possible when, when I'm on with Ray because. First off, I want to. If he's making a joke, I want to be able to laugh and sell it. We had a great line where um, there was a free kick from Toronto FC's Jefferson Soltello that he put onto the crossbar, and so and Ray thought that he tipped it that the, the Inter Miami goalkeeper Nick Marsman tipped it onto the bar with his fingertip, and so we're watching the replay. We're watching the replay, and he goes, "He's pushed it onto the crossbar." with his eyes and it was a great line to make up for the fact that he had kind of not seen that maybe the goalkeeper didn't get there and 
I want to be able to, when he makes a joke like that, laugh for him. And I'm not like thinking about something else that I'm thinking about. So it is full 100% attention to listening to Ray when he's talking because I, I, I don't want to get caught out and miss something great because the audience hears these. And, and that's, you know, one of the, the joys of listening to his commentary is that uh, you're going to hear something that you've probably never heard before. And so you stay on your toes and you listen to every word. So I, I have to do the same as his partner as well as, as the viewers at home. Well, hopefully we'll get to hear more of you, Chris and Ray, in the future for this season. I, I, I know Dre's kind of, I mean, definitely got Serie A duties, but then sometimes we'll, we'll be available for Inter-Miami games. And, and, and listeners, too, a lot of these games, too, or almost all of these games are on ESPN+. And as an outer market uh, subscriber, I mean, I, I moved a couple of years ago to the this St. Augustine area of Florida, so oftentimes I'm getting kind of the coverage from from well, I'm always getting the coverage through ESPN Plus unless it's on, I mean Fox or uh, Univision etc. But uh, definitely get get a chance if you get a chance to check it out and then uh, hopefully Chris and, and Ray will be on in future episodes too or a few future games too. And then Chris, uh, looking ahead to this weekend, I'm not sure if there's any games that stand out for you in terms of uh, your recommendations of what to watch. But for me, it has to be. Rans against PSG on Sunday, 2.45 Eastern Time on BN Sports and BN Sports en Espanol and BN Sports Connect. And of course, hopefully this one, Messi, will make his debut for PSG. Um, this one is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting game to watch if he plays. I, I, I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, and when, when, when you look at that, it's really getting down to when is Lionel Messi going to make a debut. I, I have an app to keep track of soccer scores and I might put Lionel Messi on notifications because if he's in the lineup I'll figure out a way to watch this I, I'm an AT&T subscriber so I don't have B in sports so I think I'm gonna have to become a Fanati subscriber or a something else subscriber in order to check this out because the second you find out that Messi is starting his first match for PSG you know all right it's it's time to start watching Ligue 1 but uh yeah I mean in terms of uh the, the other matches of the weekend Arsenal, uh, we, we haven't mentioned. Oh, we, you mentioned the, the the Chelsea match and how how easy it was for Chelsea to beat them. For them to go bottom of the league into the international break would be a calamity. They're away at Manchester City. I find from a talking point point of view, it astounding like how much pundits are sticking the boot into Arsenal at the moment because you know they're they're spending all this money and they don't appear to be getting better. The Mikel Arteta thing is starting to pick up pressure. So them away at Manchester City and then also in the Premier League, Chelsea have had a fairly difficult start to the season on paper, right? Mm -hmm. I mean they've yeah. taken six points from six, but now they're away at Liverpool at the weekend. That's a really fun one as well. Uh Thomas Tuchel looks like he's really on his way as the Chelsea manager Lukaku gets his uh gets his goal in his return and so we'll see them away to Liverpool another test for them yeah the big problem we have these days which is uh I mean it's a problem but it's like there's so many games to choose from and oftentimes now the this past weekend I had three screens on I had one screen that was ESPN plus one screen that was Peacock and another one that was Paramount plus and we'll get to the listener mailbag in a little bit. I know, I know a lot of people are upset at that, that I'm trying to watch three games at once, but I'm like, I can't pick one. I've got Peacock with, say, you know, whether it's Man United against Southampton. I've got Paramount Plus that's got one of the Serie A games on. And then ESPN Plus with either the Bundesliga or La Liga. And that's just during the daytime or the mornings. Then there's the evenings and there's games from around the world. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, let's get... Spoiled for choice. <laughs> totally. Let's move on to TV streaming news. And, and Chris, I'll have you lead it off. There's a, a big story this week. 
Yes, indeed, Chris. Uh, MLS, uh, they put out a release kind of at the post-halfway point, slightly post-halfway point of how their television ratings have gone so far this season. And the news is up. It's really positive for Major League Soccer so far this season. On the games that have appeared on ABC and ESPN, the ratings are up over 50% from 2020. I also saw some comparisons to 2019, which are also favorable to them as well because uh, the MLS is back tournament were included last year, and those numbers weren't great. But either way, even if you include 2019, it compares well. 14% up on Fox and FS1, and then on Univision and Unimonster, which is where I do the games. I wonder if this is related at all, and I'm kidding. Uh, 21% <laughs> up year over year. So the Major League Soccer rating story to tell is a positive one, which is a good thing for the league as they approach a new television deal at the end of 2022. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things, too. I think uh, scheduling is probably a little bit better in terms of uh, the games that are being selected. Uh, and, and also, too, there's a lot of interesting storylines. So whether it's uh, Austin with a new, new team, um, Miami, which was up until now kind of a, almost like a car crash. You, mean, you never know what was going to happen. There's definitely a lot of storylines and, and a lot more teams in the league to choose from. The, the only negative is like the last couple of weeks. I mean, you can you never know until you actually uh, after the games. But like Minnesota, the last two weeks have had like national TV broadcast and they had one game on Fox. And I think another one on, I think ESPN, I think it was. But mm-hmm. and I think both of them were, I think, were home games and just like really, really like low scoring. I think one was at, yeah Minnesota against LA Galaxy. There was like a, a one nil win for LA, and then this, this last weekend it was kind of a nil nil tie. Uh, that that that's the only downer for me is sometimes you mean it, but then again you you need. It's important, I think, to kind of spread the wealth a little bit and to show some of the other teams. I'd love to see Colorado Rapids on a national TV broadcast. Um, Minnesota had kind of almost like two weeks in a row, kind of a featured game. But um, with so many teams, you can only feature so many so many of the games on national TV um, when you can. And and there's so many teams that maybe before the season you're thinking, well, I don't know about Colorado Rapids, and now. I think they have the fourth best record in MLS on on points per game. So you wouldn't have maybe thought to feature them. I also think as well, there's a lot of consideration paid to, well, we want to show off great environments. That's why I think Minnesota get you know home broadcast because the, the, the crowd at Allianz Field is one of the best in the league. You yeah. want to show that off. The crowds in Austin this year have been sensational. So you want to show that off as kind of a, a staple of your league. So I, I do think you make a lot of choices before the season. And a lot of the national TV schedule is set before the season. I, I, I keep a track of it because I've been doing a almost all of the uh, through the NA Univision matches. And so I kind of want to have on my on my schedule, all right, these are these are the games that I have coming up. And that was set all the way back in March. So it's a bit of a gamble that those will kind of be the good games to watch. But I would say a lot of companies the last couple of years have gone in on the LA Galaxy, which is a risk because they had potential to be bad. But now under Greg Vanny, they've been really good. And Chicharito has scored a ton of goals. If you're looking at an early season story to tell, that was great for the league, the fact that uh, he was really good, but he's also had a spell out with injuries to any games that have come up since. But they've still been really good and fun to watch, even when Chicharito hasn't been in the lineup. Uh, so I think the fact that the Galaxy have been really good is always great for the league. And I think Austin has been a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, the the FS1 match uh, that they played against Sporting Kansas City was the most viewed regular season match on FS1 since 2017. It averaged 346,000 viewers. I think there's been a lot of excitement for Austin, both in Austin and around, and, and, and around the country, as well as you know one of the cities that hadn't really had a, quote, major professional sports team, great atmosphere. They've kind of fallen off a bit. At the beginning of the season, I thought they were playing some great football, but they've fallen off in terms of results and struggled to score goals at times. 
they did get back to winning ways beating Portland at the weekend. But I, I do think that Austin have been a really fun team to watch. I've had them a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's been some good stories to tell there. I think that's a good point, though, Chris, because like uh, over at WorldSoccerTalk.com, usually when the, the MLS TV schedule is released in, in March for, for this season, we have March through till relatively October, depending on in the year it changes slightly. But there's a good six months, um, at least, of of games that we already scheduled. We know who the broadcasters are. And, and throughout the season, there are some changes. Sometimes games are moved. Um, sometimes we saw that a couple of weeks ago, too, I think with a, a game in what, Portland or Seattle, where it was moved due to uh, kind of high heat conditions. But for the most part, it's... It's not set in stone, but it does change, but there's not massive dramatic changes. So it is hard to estimate which are going to be those those teams to watch. And before the season started, you might say, okay, well, Philadelphia Union, definitely. But they've been hot and cold with um, whether it's injuries or players not available due to international uh, duties. So some of their matches haven't been as good as we would have thought before the season started. And then I guess with other leagues, other leagues from around the world are probably more uh, likely to, yeah, well, also to change throughout the season. So they'll move games, like they'll announce like two weeks before a game's going to to be scheduled, or going to start. They'll say, okay, we're moving this game from um, a Sunday morning to to a Friday night, and we're going to move the Saturday morning one to Sunday afternoon, and, and these will be kind of our TV featured games. And again, yeah, you, you, you're definitely ahead of the season. Like and MLS, for instance, like would have gone for Columbus, the defending champions, opening a new stadium, one of the legacy clubs, and they're out of the playoffs as it stands right now. They've I think lost six in a row. So yeah, the the the, the form can kind of belie what the preseason predictions are in MLS more than any other league. Yeah. All right, moving on to next news item. That is that the before you know it, this is going to be next week. But the Conmebol World, World Cup qualifiers are back. A lot of controversy about these games because these were the games that were originally scheduled to be played last year, but due to COVID, uh, they had to be rescheduled. So there's, uh, I think some of these teams are playing, some of these nations are playing like three games in a very short amount of time. So you've got all the best teams, I mean, you've got Argentinas and the Brazils, etc. And as far as the TV coverage goes, uh, these games will be available just like last time. Uh, you have two main choices. One is pay-per-view through your Dish or DirecTV or uh, other pay-per-view provider. Or you can watch it through Fubo uh, Latino. And they have a Fubo Latino package that includes the World Cup qualifiers. Um, or you can do either a monthly or a quarterly plan. And the quarterly is a little bit uh, more cost-effective. But uh, the controversy about this is too is that the Premier League is not allowing the players um, from South America to go back to uh, South America to play these games. And if they do, um, they will have to quarantine for, I think, about 10 days in a hotel uh, upon re-entry. They're not going to be given any special waivers. So you can imagine, too, that the CONMEBOL countries um, participating and the players are pretty upset about this. And it looks like unless something changes in the next um, 48 to 72 hours, it looks looks like these games will go ahead and probably with some squads that will be not as strong as they usually are. So it, there could be an opportunity for some potential ep- upsets here. Which, I, I mean, I don't think a competition has been more affected than, I mean, even like obviously the ones that got suspended leagues that got canceled probably. But we've kind of moved past the point 
where we think COVID are affecting it is, is affect even if you know like Arsenal for instance we talked about them they've had a few players up but we're not really using that as an excuse for why Arsenal have had bad results we're basically just saying Arsenal is bad we're not thinking about them but if a country fails to qualify for the World Cup because they lost games during this one we presume because the next window is in October and so we presume that these COVID restrictions might be in effect then there might be eight or nine internationals in this competition that are played without a group of players that go a long way towards determining the results. And so if Colombia failed to qualify for the World Cup, if Chile failed to qualify for the World Cup, if Uruguay failed to qualify for the World Cup because of players unavailable for selection, that's as much as a sporting competition on the biggest level has been affected by the coronavirus. The Euros went off mostly without a COVID-related hitch. The Premier League mostly went off without a COVID-related hitch last year. And yet, in this situation, the World Cup being affected by COVID is as big as it gets in the sporting realm. If I were these countries, I would be furious at the Premier League. But you also completely understand it. The health is is more important uh, and, and kind of preserving the integrity of the competition of the Premier League is what's important to them. So you get it, but... I, I find this very difficult uh, to, to handle because the World Cup is bigger than the Premier League. I, I know that, you know, for Premier League fans, it's difficult to say, well, no, my player being available is most important to me. But I honestly would not be surprised if there are players that go and suffer the 10-day quarantine if they have to because getting your nation to a World Cup is so important to them that you go anyway. And so I, I, I would be really curious to see how that will affect things. But in, in my view, this is as much as a sporting competition on this scale has been affected by the coronavirus. Yeah, ab- absolutely. In, in South America being the epicenter of COVID um, several months ago when these games were postponed originally and things haven't gotten much better. Uh, it's gotten better, but but still not um, over by any means. And, and it's difficult too because I think the this particular window for Conmebol uh, usually the players come back uh, from international duty on on the Tuesday or after the Tuesday games, and then they've got a couple of days to you know, get back and rest and, and get ready for the the weekend games. For the Conmebol region, uh, they're coming, they're not coming back until after the Thursday games, so they're going to be not available to play in those weekend games anyway. Even if there was. Uh, even if they were able to get a waiver where they didn't have to go through all the, the the quarantine procedures. So, yeah, it's a mess. I mean, it's one of those things that big picture, to me, I have to question like how long the CONMEBOL will cup, uh, will cup qualifying rounds are anyway. It's just match after match after match. It's a very tough, very physical, very, very difficult uh, qualification period uh, for all the teams involved. And... Um, Maybe there's a way in the future for Conmebol to look at that and say, okay, can we better organize that so there's not so many games? But then having said that too, for a lot of these countries, they depend on these matches for, you mean, for revenue, ticket revenue, etc. But yeah, what a mess. So Chris, one, one more news item before we move on to the mailbag. Yeah, so Tubi, the streaming service that is owned by Fox, uh, it is ad-supported. They're adding 10 channels to their streaming service, which is Tubi. If you want to find it, 
in your app store of choice, T-U-B-I. The Fox Home Service is working with Fox Sports to roll out sports on Tubi with channels that will come from the NFL and, and, and a few other leagues as well. Channels on there will also include BN Sports Extra, the Fubo Sports Network, uh, which also, I believe, carries one league at Mackey's match a week, uh, which I, I have occasionally done for, for Univision as well, uh, Real Madrid TV, and others to come in the future. So on-demand programming on there. Tubi is where you find it, T-U-B-I, on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Android devices. Yeah, and it looks like, too, that games will be uh, finding its way to 2B in the future, even live games. So we can expect to see CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, and Fox mentioned uh, Gold Cup and uh, Copa America as possibilities, too, for the future. So th- this, this, to me, in terms of what they're doing, it sounds a lot, a lot like Peacock. It's, uh, I mean, Peacock has their own... Uh, ad-supported free version that doesn't include um, the sports, but you can subscribe to Peacock Premium that gives you access to a lot of the sports. On this one so far, the sports on Tubi, it sounds like it's going to be mostly all available still for free and then supported by advertising. But maybe later on, if it is a success on the sports side, maybe they would add some packages where you can then subscribe to watching some of the coverage. But yeah, this is brand new in terms of the sports side of things. Tubi's been around for, I think, about a year or two. But uh, so a big move there by Fox and Tubi. Moving on to listener mailbag, Mercator says, completely agreed with the ESPN being a real challenge to the Premier League. I noted this last season as well. Look at this afternoon, this past weekend, the Championship, La Liga, Bundesliga and Belgian Pro League all on ESPN+. I'm going to do the four-game multi-screen and hop between those matches, work permitting. What I will not be watching is the Scottish game on Paramount Plus or, or PSG on BN. The PSG game would get a watch for sure if it was on ESPN+. Lower-level Premier League games fall into this category. I will watch ESPN Plus before two mid-lower league uh, Premier League teams, but I will skip three to four decent games on ESPN Plus to watch something like Spurs City or any Arsenal game. I think USA Network will be better for the Premier League, even for cord cutters. NBC Sports apps are awful. I still do not get NBCSN in 60 frames per second, and NBCSN is the only channel that doesn't work with my TV everywhere. USA is 60 frames per second and works with TV everywhere. Also, perhaps this is a comp- conspiracy theory, but you can actually watch MLS games that are blacked out on ESPN Plus through the Hulu app with no blackout. Seems like an error by ESPN, but part of me wonders if it's if it's deliberate to test the waters for a MLS streaming product that offers all games with no blackouts. I'm positive this has boosted my local MLS TV numbers because the biggest impediment for everyone I know to watch the games was the fact it's not on ESPN+. We have quite a few fans from a nearby out-of-market team just pe- just because people can watch uh, that team consistently on ESPN+. Plus. I hate to say it, but part of me thinks the MLS may end up needing ESPN Plus more than ESPN Plus may need the MLS. I know I would watch significantly less if it was not on ESPN Plus, although there could be a, a real promise for Paramount Plus if they have MLS, Brazilian and Argentine leagues with multicast. That would be the default viewing in the evenings for me. So, Chris, that's interesting about the Hulu uh, workaround. I haven't tried that. 
Uh, that's good to know. Maybe it's just it, – I don't think it's uh, done intentionally. I, I think that would probably just be something that uh, – they haven't caught on to yet. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they don't change it anytime soon. But 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 yeah, that that's not supposed to happen that way. But what about you, Chris? Has ESPN Plus changed your your, your viewing habits in any way? Um. So on a, if if I'm not doing an MLS game, if Inter Miami are off on a weekend, I will absolutely sit down and fire up the multicast and put on as many games as possible. Once the earliest one that started ends, I'll put on another one in that window. I wish every like from an app perspective from a design standpoint i think espn has done the best and it's because they've been perfecting this technology i mean you've chronicled this chris uh, for how long right starting with espn 360 back in i remember watching a confederations cup match that the u.s played on espn 360 in 2009 they've been working on perfecting these streaming platforms for a while and i think the one thing that I wish was done a little bit more with the other apps was they were thought of, well, what would make sense for a live sports experience in mind, right? Because a lot like on Peacock, for instance, it's pulled into an entertainment app where Netflix is the model, ESPN Plus is not the model. Same thing for Paramount, right? It's you're using Netflix as the model and everything is kind of built around that sort of way. So multicasts are harder to find. Pause and rewind is harder to find. From a functionality purpose, I love ESPN. But the thing is, is that... They don't have, for me, what are, from a European standpoint, A1 priority leagues. You're definitely getting there. Like, if, you know, a match is only is, is only available on ESPN Plus and it's El Clasico, then all of a sudden we've got something. But I'm not as big of a Bundesliga fan or, or even the other non-Real Madrid Barcelona teams where, for me, that's the number one thing I have to watch. I'm usually picking the Premier League. And so, for the most part, ESPN Plus is a second screen experience for me. I, have, I, I delight in the fact that I have a excuse me, a, a Roku on my second TV where I can, you know, fire up ESPN and, I, and, and I, I can watch the games there. But with the main TV on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, it's usually NBC. So I love going to ESPN Plus. I think it's a great app. But for me, if it's kind of getting on the main TV, they have to have kind of the A1 priority match, which for me is the Premier League. That might make me myopic, but it, it usually is. Mm-hmm. So that, that it, it's sort of a great app to have on the go, second screen, tablet, computer, no problems with it whatsoever. But in terms of if it's capturing my attention as the number one thing that I'm using, it has to have one of those major, major properties. And it's possible, right? I mean, so we know that the Premier League uh, TV rights deal is up. And uh, in the next couple of months, we will find out who has acquired the rights. Um, I'm sure ESPN is interested. Uh, how interested? We'll have to wait and see because um, they just spent one4 billion dollars on La Liga and um, it's unlikely that they would spend the same if not more money on getting the Premier League but if they did it's it's effectively game over <laughs> I mean yeah. really for the streaming services oh, yeah. right <laughs> yeah I mean for, for on a weekend you'd need ESPN plus and in midweek you need Paramount plus which also gives you the option to watch Serie A but I mean it would go back to an era like the Fox Soccer Channel era where all you needed was one thing right. to watch everything that you wanted. But you're, you're right. Just from a purely financial sense, you know, I think at that point ESPN captures every soccer viewer, right? Because you, you would have at least one year of MLS. Um, we'll see what, what kind of what the long-term future is of that. But if you have, you know, La Liga, the Bundesliga, and the Premier League, those are the three best leagues in, in, in Europe, and that's all you need, right? So right. I, I would be immensely interested if they did that because then you're going back to a place where, all right, soccer fans don't have to dis- subscribe to everything. If you have an ESPN Plus login, you're doing pretty well. But 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there just because it's, it's a lot of money. But if you're talking about streaming wars like, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, uh, Hulu, they spent a lot, a lot of money on content. And so if you're justifying this streaming service with a huge property, like, by the way, they spent a ton of money for UFC. And if anything, it's been a bargain for them. It's worked out so much to the point where they actually renegotiated the deal to take even more and, and kind of commit to the UFC. If something is a massive business success, it is worth the money. And I, I do think that there'll be serious players for the Premier League for exactly that reason. So we've got some quick fire hits here. Um, Ra says, on a different note, so much great football to choose from, but why would I waste my time with MLS? I watched five MLS games in the stadium and, and enjoyed it. But it is not something I would put on my TV with so many options out there. The same goes for NWSL. I've been to some games in the stadium, but only because of lack of better alternatives. I can't wait for the World Cup and Olympics here in the U.S. Devin Lowe says, if ESPN Plus wants to survive, they need to move their digital arms of their networks like ACC and SEC and a sports center as I subscribe to only four one studio show uh, and and the soccer players of the MLS and whatever expansion team of the year. Dave Roberts says, go I, ahead. Can I yeah, yeah. Very quickly here on, on MLS. So I, I, I do want to offer a couple of defenses of MLS. Uh, number one, if you're saying that if there's so much great global football to choose from, it's mostly over by the time that MLS matches come on. So it is only soccer fatigue, which, by the way, is completely reasonable. I don't think you, sh- you as a fan should be expected to watch games from sunup to sundown. So if you want to use your Saturday night to do something else, fair enough. But I, 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 the idea that it is competition for your viewing is only based on your capacity. It's not based off. It's not like Minnesota United is kicking off against Seattle Sounders at 11 a.m. on a Saturday, right? They're they're kicking mm-hmm. off at 8 p.m. So you can watch all these things. And the other thing too, and I, and I wanted to mention this earlier when we were talking about the ratings. I do kind of wonder if, as players are getting sold to Europe, right? Uh, this week, Tejan Buchanan of New England Revolution has been linked with a move to Club Brugge in Belgium. If as these young MLS players get sold and all of a sudden MLS becomes a player in the global market, if maybe the perception of quality goes up because the thinking, oh, these players can only crack it in MLS and MLS, all this stuff about standard of play. And now all these clubs are recognizing, hey, we can get young American players from the U.S. and maybe worth our investment. And all of a sudden you start to look at even your college draft pick, which Tejan Buchanan was saying, maybe this guy's got a future in Europe. And your promising young players have a future in Europe. And it is a high standard because other leagues are validating that. That's always been something that MLS has kind of figured out. Where do we get the validation of our standard of play and our level from? And I think the notion that the young players in this league are sought after by European competitions, by European clubs, I think has to lead to a slow but steady change in the way that people perceive MLS. Because it's not just about what these games are in a vacuum it's about where it fits in the global picture and if the quality is higher because other clubs are saying your players are worth our money i think that does need to change the mentality slightly yeah for me personally i've watched more mls this season than than i have probably in the last five years i've, I've watched a lot more games and made more of a conscious effort to to give it more of a chance and to be more open-minded and and to really you mean kind of get to know the teams a little bit better for me, it, I guess there's two things. One thing is just that you, you mentioned the fatigue, and it, it is a factor. And I'm wondering if uh, 
if almost soccer fans in this country have almost gotten conditioned to a certain extent uh, to be watching soccer in the mornings and early afternoons. So from a 7.30 kickoff all the way through till the end of a 12.30 Eastern time kickoff, it's like what ends at 2.30, 3 o'clock. I mean, that, that's almost like eight hours of soccer nonstop, probably watching a couple of games at once sometimes. And then we get to the evenings. And, and there are plenty of choices. And, and sometimes on a, on a MLS uh, Saturday, there could be 12 games happening. I mean, most of them are probably on ESPN Plus, and you've got a couple on Unamas or on, on Fox or ESPN. The part of it that I struggle with the most is trying to figure out which game to watch. And I don't get a good feel for, I mean, the games I pick, <laughs> for whatever reason. I mean, oftentimes it's into Miami, but sometimes when, when Miami's not playing on a Saturday, I'm flipping through. I'm trying to find a game that's really, that's going to resonate. That's going to be a game that's going to be the must-watch game. Because sometimes I do watch the one I think is going to be must-watch. And it turns out to be, I mean, a boring dud or nil-nil or whatever it may be for for whatever reasons. That That's the part that I think for me, being more of a kind of a Eurocentric viewer, I'd like to get to know more. And, and for me, it's like, where do you go for that information? Where would you want to know? Uh, you mean you go to Twitter, but everyone's talking about different things. That that's the thing that would definitely help me as a viewer. It's reasonable, and you also have you know during the summer they play so many games that I, I do think that playing in heat fixture congestion has kind of led to an inconsistent pattern of play. I also think the goals in MLS are exceptional, but obviously pattern of play can stand to improve, right? So I'm not here to tell you that every MLS game is great and that you need to believe in this league because obviously your listeners can make that decision. But ultimately, I I do think sometimes there's a few too many excuses. Oh, you know, uh, it it competes with the global game. The standard of level or the, the, the standard of play isn't good enough. It doesn't register on the global market. I do think it is starting to, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying, like, you still need to beat Liga Mackey's teams consistently. You need to start winning continental championships. There needs to be more selling, buying of better players with higher transfer fees, more exporting to Europe. So I'm saying that we're still towards the beginning stage of the establishment of that level, but that level is getting better. But I completely understand your point, which is, you know, where, you know, what's the TV guide for MLS, as it were? I do think the MLS Extra Time podcast does do a good job of, Hey, here's your ESPN Plus game of the week. So when all the games are going on, here's the one that we think that, that you should be watching. But I, I understand that on the whole, right? Like yep. you'd think heading, heading into this past weekend, you know, maybe D.C. and Atlanta as Atlanta are carrying on. Um, but, you know, the game that featured the most goals was, uh, was Houston and Dallas. And that is definitely not one that I would have recommended. So it can be a little bit of a wild card in, in picking out which, is, which are the teams that you most want to watch on a given weekend. Is, is there like a, like a whip around show or like a live something on the MLS soccer.com that no no nah. yeah because I think that would be really beneficial even if it's just well, kind I'd, of like I'd, a, lo- like I'd a- love an MLS whip around show I'd, I'd watch that a hundred times over um but but no I, I, at, the, at the moment you'd have to think it'd be ESPN plus that would produce that but they don't so, right yeah, yeah I mean I I would imagine maybe in the in the next rights deal there there will be considerations for one I I, I agree with you I think it'd be absolutely brilliant to have a, a whip around show on a Saturday night with all the games Next up is Dave Roberts. Dave says, you asked if there's anyone out there who would dump their ESPN subscription if MLS leaves the platform. Yes, there is. I will. All right, good on you, Dave. And then uh, Lou says, um, ESPN will be competitive with NBC, but they have a long way to go to catch up as La Liga tries to gain a foothold in the US. NBC is enjoying excellent ratings for the Premier League games along, uh, along all platforms. 
You can't tell me Disney execs were thrilled with the 465,000 number for the uh, Sunday Barcelona game on ABC. Of course, Messi fleeing to France had a lot to do with it uh, as far as suppressing the viewership. Also, I wasn't particularly enamored with ESPN's overall La Liga coverage. Losing Messi is a huge downer, and I felt the hosts were being a little bit uh, overly cheerful in an attempt to convey the message that everything will be all right in La La Liga without him. The pregame show just kind of sat there. NBC could could use a little refreshing of their studio shows, I agree, but overall the coverage is top class. I suspect NBC will easily retain Premier League rights for another six years and make some changes to the coverage, which will include more matches on USA. For CBS, I'm afraid they are in for a rough ride with Serie A. That league has never drawn viewers in the US, regardless of who had the rights. If CBS is serious about growing the fan base, then putting more games on CBS over the air on CBS Sports Network would be a start. And Chris, that's the thing about uh, World Soccer Talk listeners. <laughs> they definitely call it the way they see it. There's, there's no... Uh, there's no, there's no filters there. It's kind of uh, <laughs> pure and good, honest, honest feedback. Um, S S F Evola says, uh, "Great pod as always, and one of the highlights every week for me." Interesting juxtaposition after listening to you guys discuss ESPN potentially uh, potentially limited interest in MLS rights, and then watching the ESPN FC uh, laugh fest over MLS highlights on Thursday night's show. Tom says, I mostly watch MLS on ESPN Plus, but so I, I would probably cancel, especially since they don't have the Scottish games now. I would get Paramount Plus if they had the Scottish Premiership and Major League Soccer. Mike says, thank you for thank you both for everything you do. I love your show. I think you are underestimating the interest in MLS. The main reason I pay for an ESPN subscription is because they have the rights. I would cancel if they no longer add games. Also, um, the 2026 World Cup will only help ratings. It would not be surprising if CBS were to make a strong bid for Premier League and or MLS rights. They seem to be aggressively acquiring rights. Danny Schmidt says, I can, I can, extend, I can watch extended highlights for any specific Premier League game on Peacock. I cannot do that on ESPN+. NBC's coverage is really good and not hard to navigate. Michelangelo says Paramount Plus needs to do uh, needs to add a better picture quality on their app. It isn't as good as ESPN Plus. However, I guess it will do. SLC Vol says just listen to the to the latest podcast. Nice to hear Kartik giving props to the production value of the Bundesliga. In my honest opinion, so far it's the most entertaining football out of the big three so far this season as well. JP says, score bugs. Yes, I always nerd out on this type of stuff. The new Bundesliga bugs major flaw is that each team appears to have a season-long dedicated color for their name slash score. Yellow for Dortmund, green for Wolfsburg, red for Bayern, and so on. This can be confusing when one's club color is red, the other white, but the team with a dedicated red, red, red bug is wearing white. While they do have the shirt color indicator below the name score, it takes just that extra bit of time and effort to figure out who's who when it's when it should be a quick glance. What they should do is to, to make both clubs have either a red or white score bug. 
the Bundesliga logo colours, and the shirt colour indicator below. The best score bugs, in my opinion, should be un- unobtrusive and give all the information quickly. The best example of this was La Liga's around about 2015. It was there when you wanted to look at the time or score, etc., but didn't draw your attention to it. The NBC bug for the Premier League is the worst example, too big, and draws your eyes away from the field and end up uh, watching the score bug. Lastly, the, the Dutch Eredivisie currently has the best one. No frills graphically, not too big, and semi-translucent translucent as well. Wow, Chris. <laughs> not only do people listen to your words and watch the games, but, I mean, you can tell they really, really I mean, devour this content and look at every little bit of detail. Oh, I, I, I love I love a score. Me and a friend of mine uh, who's a producer at Vista World Link, where I do work, uh, we text each other about score bugs all the time. So I, I am similarly nerdy. I've actually always kind of felt that maybe for broadcast in which maybe like the NFL doesn't probably doesn't need to do what I'm about to suggest. But I do think full names of teams is a bit underrated. I understand that the tri-code is generally what television productions use. But every once in a while, you like you have a friend who's not really into sports who walks by and goes, oh, who's playing over there? And I do think that the scorebook should say, like, Aston Villa instead of AVL or West Ham instead of, you know, WHU or whatever, right? So I, I, I do think that would be the one thing that I would advocate for. I also think that, uh, to the listener's point, I do think that the scorebook should reflect that the color the team is wearing on the day so the color should be, you know, if Manchester United are wearing blue and yellow, which is their away kit this year, it should be blue and yellow because that, that way you know as a viewer which team is which. That ultimately is the point of the score bug. It's not to say, well, these are the team's color. It's no, what team are they wearing? Which team is wearing what right now? So it's, it's not unclear to a viewer who sit, may be sitting down to watch this for the first time. Yeah, and also the acronyms can be confusing too, for especially for somebody who's a new soccer fan. So if you have FCB, is that mm-hmm. FC Bayern Munich or is that FC Barcelona? Uh, so whether it's social media or on screen, it, it can be confusing. So next up is Eric. Eric says, I don't get the dislike for NBC from listeners. NBC has covered the Premier League better than anyone has in the history of this country, and they treat it like a major sporting league. I also have noticed improvements from last year, especially with the return of pitch side reporting. Does anyone remember the Fox years? Totally dreadful. The Premier League belongs with NBC unless ESPN or CBS can promise extensive television coverage, which I doubt. Eric T. says, NBC has done a wonderful job with the Premier League. Be careful what you wish for. And he goes on to talk about uh, the Fox days there, too. Uh, Jason says, multi-view of watching games several at a time. That's crazy. I will never watch two or three games at once, no matter what. Sensory overload. It's not meant to be watched that way. Take advantage of streaming on demand options. You don't have to watch games live. I rarely do so. And, and Jason, for me too, watching uh, several games at once, sometimes it's it's more for the, the reporting. I, I need to know what's going on in the games. So whether it's uh, manning the social media accounts or uh, working with some of our writers in terms of writing stories, uh, we have to know. We, we, we can't really wait until maybe a few hours later to watch a game and then find out that something major happened in that game. But, but yeah, I, I get your point. Michael says, I am with Jason on the multi-view concept to watch multiple games at one time. I tried that for the Champions League matches on Paramount Plus because those calling the the game would provide spoilers 
of the other match played at the same time. What I found is that personally, I end up missing more of both matches viewed and don't get the experience I want with taking it in. I watch probably four to six hours of weekend Premier League matches live or delayed via uh, DVR or stream. Those I don't watch, I catch the extended highlights of. I actually make a screen copy of the Premier League weekend matches so that uh, uh, when I'm ready to watch, I follow the schedule to ensure I don't get uh, any spoilers if I am wow. behind where matches have already aired. That is some commitment from Michael there <laughs> to, to, to watch on a sketch. I could never do that. I could never have the discipline to stay offline for long enough to not know what happened yeah. in the other games. Um, but I, I do uh, find interesting the notion of the multi-viewing experience because I actually agree with Michael there. You end up not – you try to watch two games, but you end up not really ingesting either one. You will end up knowing what happened. And I, I, I like it just because, you know, like, for example, on a Bundesliga weekend when they have the, the, all, the, all the kickoffs at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, I try and put four of them on because I'm really just looking out for goals, right? I'm just looking out, oh, where, oh, the goal just went over there. And if a game is particularly interesting, then I'll go big on one. But I'm really just kind of trying to stay across multiple games. But if you're trying to pick out tactics and really remember what happened, it's pretty hard to do when you're watching two and three matches at once. You're just mm -hmm. trying to stay across the basic information of all these things. But I also understand, like, from a fan's point of view where you don't necessarily have to do that, why you'd rather just watch the one match. Because even, like, on the whip-around shows, believe me, I love a whip-around show, but you don't really get the full sense of a game watching a whip-around show. You get the major incidents and what happened, but, you know, if a team is on top, if a team is carrying more possession, what kind of chances are they creating? I, I understand why a viewer might not necessarily like that. Yeah, I think it's two different types of viewers as far as somebody who wants to just see the action and the goals and somebody who wants to enjoy the ebbs and ebb and flow of a game and, and um, even kind of the spontane, spontane, spontaneity of it. Dave says, enjoyable podcast. Your comments on Super League are interesting. There is evidence allowing for the inference that Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus have a pressing need for Super League cash, while some other teams joined out of greed and still others joined in the spirit of not being left behind. If so, that was always going to make for an unstable launch partnership with some members needing little excuse to back out. I know you are both exclusively, both you, Chris and Kartik, are exclusively soccer fans, but there may be merit in drawing comparisons to the SEC expansion with Texas and Oklahoma, uh, top 10 U.S. college football programs by reputation and viewership, if not always by on-field results. It was long believed that Texas A&M would fight to the bitter end against adding Texas, yet the A&M board approved it 8-1. to one. It was uh, also long believed that Oklahoma could only move as a package with Oklahoma State, yet that hurdle was quickly neutralized. Rollout was handled well, with most ducks already in a row before any news leaked. Of note, ESPN is a major beneficiary to the point they were threatened with tampering lawsuits by entities left behind. Suffice to say, there is not much, not too much to sustain criticism of the plan on ESPN. And love them or hate them, ESPN remain influential in U.S. college sports. And then last but not least... Uh, one last comment, and this is a really good question from Gene. Gene says, hey, guys, this past weekend I was watching uh, Leverkusen against Gladbach match. Uh, even though the Premier League is my go-to league, I was excited to see a top Bundesliga match. Since I don't have ESPN+, Plus, I do have a cable package through Verizon Fios. Since my daughter usually controls the TV, 
Most of my viewing is on apps, on tablets or the phone. In this case, when using the ESPN app, I could not view the Bundesliga match and a message came up that I needed a ESPN Plus subscription. This was odd because I was able to watch the Barcelona match with no issue on my phone the previous week. I was extremely dis- disappointed and ended up watching Watford against Brighton instead. Have you guys come across this scenario where any of the ABC matches were not available via the ESPN app? Did any viewers have this issue? I'm also guessing this may have happened to many others, as I see the Watford against Brighton match almost had double the viewership of the Leverkusen Gladbach match. And Chris, I think I think what's happening here is that when you do log into the ESPN or go to the ESPN app, uh, there's a couple of different options. So for this game that was on ABC, you could log, you could, you could go ahead and log in with your ESPN Plus subscription. The game was was included with ESPN Plus, or you could go ahead and log in and authenticate to prove that you are a cable or satellite TV subscriber. Uh, and that you get your ABC through them to get to watch the game through what, what is effectively ESPN three. But so there's a couple of different options. It can be confusing, especially when you have ESPN three and ESPN plus. But you would have to just log in, authenticate, and add your TV provider details, your login details, to be able to be authenticated, and then you should be able to watch it through there. That's my best guess on that one. Yeah, I, I've experienced that before because every single game from the Bundesliga is available on ESPN Plus, whether it's on TV or not. So you can use one of those two methods, but that is very in the weeds. And I understand that really the existence of this podcast is dedicated to the fact of how in the weeds being a soccer viewer is and having to understand you know which games are which platforms, how to authenticate, where to subscribe, where to stream, and all that. So I understand that if you're listening to this, you're pretty far in the weeds. But yeah, I, I understand why to your average viewer that might be confusing. Um, I'd also uh, recommend if you want to watch uh, a game that's on over-the-air television as the weekly NBC game is, as the odd game for La Liga and Bundesliga are on ABC, the odd MLS match as well. Uh, I'd recommend getting an HDTV antenna. Uh, the, there is no monthly subscription for that. You have to buy a piece of hardware just once. Uh, you plug it into your TV, and you also don't have the streaming lag of being you know, 40 seconds behind uh, the action. So yep. uh, I would also recommend that as well for games that are on ABC as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good tip, and you can usually find one from on Amazon from anywhere from twenty dollars and up uh, for an HD antenna. Ba- basically, what we used to call rabbit ears. Yes. All right, listeners, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I really appreciate your patience going through the listener mailbag. It's probably one of the biggest we've had in quite a, quite some time. They must have known you were going to be on the show. But where, where can um, listeners and viewers? You, know, what do you have in the uh, kind of the next week or two, as far as any games or any anywhere that they can find you on social media or television or radio? Sure. So. Uh this upcoming weekend, uh, I'll have Inter-Miami and Orlando City, which is a nationally televised match. So I'll have the radio commentary, which is available on the Inter-Miami CF app. I do wonder, occasionally those games as well are on the Sirius XM FC channel. Uh, I think even that it's a national TV game, there's a chance that that one might be as well. So if you're driving around on Friday night, want to listen to a little live soccer commentary, uh, should be myself, Fernando Fiore, and Thomas Rangan on that. On the Saturday, our uh, weekly 
MLS uh, uh, match for Univision and Unimas uh, will be available as well uh, this Saturday night. Uh, this Saturday afternoon, it's the uh, the three fifty. It's at three three thirty is, is what we listed as. But hot tip: the game actually kicks off at three fifty. Uh, but do watch the pre match coverage. That in exchange for my honesty. Please watch Atlanta United and Nashville SC. That is a 3.30 kickoff. Univision through the NA and also available on Twitter as well. So I'll be on the commentary for that one as well. And then actually on Sunday, uh, I'm going to be doing some work at Vista World Link, which I mentioned earlier. They produce the NWSL. And so on Sunday, 5.30 kickoff, I will have Gotham FC and Orlando Pride. So three matches on offing for me, for me this weekend. You can follow me on Twitter, at Chris Whittingham. Also, che- also check out the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gatz, uh, where as, since I've joined myself and Mike Ryan Ruiz, we're soccer fans in the show. We've, we've bled in some more soccer talk over the course of time. So if you're just a general sports fan, check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Enjoy your football. Thank you, Chris. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.